Hey folks, Andy Patton here, joined today by the commissioner of the West Coast Conference, the fantastic Gloria Navarez, to talk all things WCC after an incredible year for both the men's and women's basketball programs. Hear her thoughts on how this year went and talk about the future of the WCC with BYU's upcoming departure, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am thrilled to be joined today by Gloria Navarez, now in her fourth year as the commissioner of the West Coast Conference, presiding over a league that just sent five different teams to the NCAA tournament between the men and the women. Gloria, Thank you so much in the middle of March, busy time of the year, for taking time out of your schedule to jump on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right, so I want to start on the men's side. I want to talk about that those teams at first. Uh, you took over as the commissioner right around the time that Gonzaga was tinkering with the idea of moving to the Mountain West. Uh, it's been a few years. The WCC is now putting three teams in the NCAA tournament, the first time in a long time that somebody not named Gonzaga, St. Mary's, BYU is in the tournament after San Francisco made it. Uh, same number of teams in the Pac-12, only one less than the Mountain West. Two teams in the NIT, obviously a phenomenally successful season. No other way to look at it for the men's basketball programs in the West Coast Conference. How critical is are these teams having this kind of success for the reputation and the growth of the WCC? extremely critical and has been the goal it's what we've been working toward and as you mentioned at the start of my tenure um and before i started actually i inherited uh this kind of a light but all of our presidents and athletic directors and coaches really aligned about elevating basketball in the league and that's when we came up with the regular season schedule the non-conference scheduling mm-hmm. guidelines and the tournament format and you know covid punched us all in the gut a mm-hmm. little bit um, more things than just basketball, but sure. you know we would have had three teams in the tournament mm-hmm. in the last two years, mm-hmm. and in the year that it got canceled, 2020, they would have all been at single-digit seeds. Mm-hmm. So this has been a trajectory that we have been working really hard toward, and you know to see it pay off it is so rewarding. I'm so excited for the student athletes and all that they've worked toward. I guess the next question is is pretty simple. It's basically. What, what is next? This is obviously a tremendous accomplishment here, seeing a program like San Francisco make their first tournament since 1998, seeing a program like Santa Clara, had there not been early season injuries, potentially be in that mix as well. Uh, what, what are the next things that the conference office can do, as well as the member institutions, the you know presidents, the coaches, et cetera, to kind of keep the WCC moving in this trajectory? I think there's a fear among many people out there who, who follow WCC basketball that when they get to high levels, that it can either taper off or that it kind of stays stagnant. What are the, what are the ways that this conference can get to continue going up in an upward trajectory? Well, I think maybe not so much as next, but what is happening now that you might see next? We have several campuses that have been greenlit for substantial facility improvements in their athletic department, specific to, you know, basketball practice facilities, mm-hmm. workout facilities. And so while those are have been blessed or moving along, you'll probably see those start to break ground, come to fruition in the next year or two. That's really, really important. And I think... What you're seeing this year that's so encouraging to me is both St. Mary's and USF 
in my opinion, punched mm-hmm. their ticket before our tournament. Yeah. And what they did in our tournament helped mm-hmm. elevate or was more about seeding. And that, to me, is the mentality of the WCC going forward, to own your own destiny, build a non-conference, perform during the season so that the decision about whether you're going to the NCAA tournament is not a live-or-die proposition during our tournament Mm -hmm. and that the aq for our tournament although special and important Mm -hmm. become you know our tournament becomes more proposition about seating and placement and not hey if you don't come to the tournament and perform you're out of the ncaa I know that that makes a lot of sense. And obviously having some improvements on the facility aspect is going to be tremendous. Uh, Every program benefits from any school in the conference making those uh, facility upgrades, certainly. Uh, One thing I wanted to talk to you about as well is uh, usually when you see something like facility upgrades, it's maybe going to take a while because of the recruiting process to kind of see some of that growth and change within the, the rosters of these programs. But uh, with the transfer portal the way that it has been uh, the last couple of seasons, uh, we've seen rosters. I, I mean, we can talk about the University of Portland returning zero scholarship athletes on their basketball team this year with Coach Shante Leggins. Uh, obviously, the, the roster turnover is now something that can be done much more swiftly, which I can you can see an example at like UP of it being such a, a beneficial thing where they can turn their roster around quickly and win six more games in the conference than they have in the last three years. Uh, but you also see the potential for programs to potentially lose a lot of talented players in the same year. The WCC to me seems like a conference that's kind of in an interesting spot where I think that they can you could see how they would benefit and how they might not benefit from students being able to transfer more freely. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts just on the the current portal rules, uh, how they impact the WCC, uh, not even just from a basketball perspective, but from, you know, an all-sport perspective and how it's kind of impacted that. Yeah, and, you know, in all other sports, athletes have been able to transfer and Mm -hmm. compete immediately. It's only recently, uh, last year, that we took the restrictions off of football, men's, women's basketball, and I believe baseball. Mm -hmm. so there is a settling out period that needs to happen. I also think we have a lot of COVID super seniors in the pool right mm-hmm. now, and that needs to kind of, you know, settle out. Yep. Folks need to graduate, move on. So I do think that we are probably in a um, honeymoon period where a lot of folks mm-hmm. are excited, testing their options, that that eventually will settle out. For sure, it has changed the face of college basketball. Um, but from a big picture perspective, not even just WCC, college basketball is the one sport where prospects have an opportunity to play elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, in college football, you got to go to college if you're going to make right. the pro. It's really the only pipeline. Whereas now there are so many opportunities. You can go overseas. You can go overtime elite. You can go to, mm-hmm. you know, all these other um, non-collegiate opportunities so that I believe – the first round of data that I've seen on a national basis, and I haven't had a chance to jump into WCC specifically, is we are keeping talent that's coming into Division One is staying in Division One, although it may be moving around based on playing time and everything else. Um, so I think as a league, we really need to keep our eye on the horizons. Our coaches are really talented, smart people, and I think are effectively managing the transfer portal. And... You know, the stability and culture of our campuses, mm-hmm. I think, helps some of those decisions. They're great places to be. Um, I, I was talking to Dan Dickow, actually, you mm-hmm. know, 
earlier this season, and he's a great example of someone who started at a big Power Five institution and mm-hmm. found his way to a Gonzaga mm-hmm. because it just fit him better. So I, I think eventually it'll settle out and that our schools have always attracted those athletes that have fit with us. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you, you look at, like we said, so many of the programs benefited so much from this. And obviously it's going to change. Uh, I, I think the honeymoon point makes a lot of sense. It's probably going to taper down a little bit as, as we get more familiar with it. All right. In the second segment, I'm going to come back and talk to Gloria about BYU's departure from the WCC and what the conference plans to do next, as well as the Orleans Arena contract being up this year. But before we get there, let's talk about Bill Barr. This is the time of the year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions. But not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most Bilt Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They have mint brownie, coconut, and coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to Bilt.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. I did want to talk to you about um, one of the most notable storylines coming down the pipeline for the WCC. That is, of course, BYU, uh, who's been a part of the WCC for about a decade now. They're obviously headed to the Big 12 starting in the fall. Uh, first of all, just how instrumental has this, you know, it's a very different program from a lot of the schools in the WCC. Obviously, the institution is much bigger. Uh, the facilities are, are, are big. How, how instrumental have they have been in this kind of conference's success over the past decade? And, and what has the process been like looking for uh, what's next, I guess, looking to, to do something different now that BYU is out of the picture? Yeah, and, you know, BYU is so interesting because they are so different mm-hmm. from the WCC when they were added. But what I found so great about BYU is they fit with us despite their differences. Mm-hmm. You know, they really had the same alignment, core mission values. And when they did, they didn't come in at the top of the league and everything, but they certainly, you know, brought everyone up yeah. as they started to compete across the Olympic sports. Um, and then, you know, the odd stat is that they've never won the WCC <laughs> basketball tournament on yeah. the men's side. And, you know, it's just, uh, we will miss them mm-hmm. for certain. They've always been open about needing to find a home for football. They couldn't have found a better landing spot. Yeah. I, I told Bob Bowlesby that BYU will exceed their expectations mm-hmm. when they get to really know them and work with them. They're just a fantastic program. What's next for the WCC? You know, we're, we could be fine at nine. Or we can continue to explore uh, expansion. We're still in the middle of our process. Got put on hold a little bit mm-hmm. as we, you know, got through March Madness. But we hope to, you know, come to a final decision in the next month or so, um, so that we can can just plan forward. 
One of uh, BYU, as you said, has been good in, in so many of the sports uh, in the WCC. They've kind of helped elevate everything. But I think you could make a strong argument that perhaps their biggest impact has been on the women's basketball side. Uh, a really, really strong, consistent program year in and year out. Uh, obviously, Gonzaga has, has maintained excellence uh, in the WCC as well under Coach Lisa Fortier. They've been really, really good. You've seen those two teams kind of duke it out every single season. Um, looking at the conference going forward without BYU, uh, what are some things that we can see kind of happen on the women's basketball side to kind of help make sure that this conference doesn't become a Gonzaga and nobody else type conference? I know that there are some other programs who have taken some steps forward, but are there things that the conference can do or things that uh, we're kind of looking to build towards to make the women's basketball conference in the WCC really strong? Well, and I would add their influence, BYU's influence in the women's side of mm-hmm. the sport um, competition has been, you know, really strong. Yep. Cross country, national titles, yep. volleyball, women's soccer. Uh, but to your point about women, women's basketball, we were we've been having these conversations, and the AD group has been talking about, you know, the need to really elevate women's basketball. You know, the facility upgrades are going to help that quite a bit, yeah. you know, both men's and women's recruiting, the investment in coaching and continuing to strategize. You know, when we did the improvement package around men's basketball and scheduling, we looked at it on the women's side. And at the time, it just didn't seem like we needed it uh, as Broadly, we didn't have as much disparity between the top and the bottom on the women's, but we are certainly continuing conversations. Okay, if not the same kind of initiatives that we've done on men's scheduling, what can we do on the women's side to continue to build? Mm -hmm. Because I think you're hitting on a really important point that, you know, on the men's side, what happened is we had a great disparity between the bottom and the top of the league. Mm -hmm. If, If when we lose BYU, will that same disparity can we keep the strength of the league a very healthy ecosystem in the league is Mm -hmm. when you're high you know nobody brings you down and when you're rebuilding Mm -hmm. or you know kind of at at the low end of the league Mm -hmm. that the strength of the league brings you up and to make sure we keep that ecosystem healthy Absolutely. Uh, last point on the on the basketball side, uh, the WCC tournament obviously has taken place at the Orleans Arena uh, for, again, over a decade. I think right before BYU joined the league was when it started at the Orleans. Uh, contract is coming up. Uh, I'm curious if there are plans to continue hosting the WCC tournament at the Orleans, uh, what that experience has been like uh, as somebody who's gone to that tournament multiple times in the last few years. You know, I've always enjoyed my experience at the Orleans. Uh, but are there other options being explored uh, for, for the WCC? tournament going forward you know we've been look we're, ever since i started four years ago we've been working on improving the internment the tournament mm-hmm. atmosphere our ticketing policies i hope you've noticed that as yes. an attendee <laughs> just the, the the show that is put on the ability you know mobile mm-hmm. ticketing all those types of things so we are certainly looking at you know re-upping with the orleans again just with mm-hmm. the covid and our short mm-hmm. staffing we got a little bit paused this year so we're mm-hmm. picking that up and continuing talks we've been uh, there for 14 years now and have been renewing our contract in three-year steps, mm-hmm. so to speak. 
Um, so we'll start those conversations in the next couple of weeks. I know the WCC was kind of an early adopter of doing these conference tournaments uh, at a neutral site somewhere else. Obviously, that decision was made before you had taken over. But I'm curious, just your thoughts in general on now we see a lot more conferences do this. This is far more common to to have the tournament somewhere that's not the home of of other of, of a specific institution. Obviously, for the WCC, it was convenient in location for a lot of the programs. Uh, it was farther away for Gonzaga fans, but they certainly didn't seem to struggle to to pack that place uh, for the tournament. Um, I'm curious, just your thoughts on on that as a as a concept for other conferences as well, and how it has gone. You know, we've seen the Pac-12 do it. We've seen the WAC do it. I'm curious your thoughts on on just doing that in general. You know, it's interesting. I, I worked at the WCC the first time around as mm-hmm. a assistant commissioner, and I was part of the exploration and site visits when we decided to move it. I changed jobs, left the WCC before we, I ever got to see a tournament in the Orleans. Mm-hmm. So it, it really, being the first league there was very interesting because we used to rotate the tournament, very hard to build a consistent ticket base when you're moving the tournament and, you know, Home court advantage was always an issue as mm-hmm. Gonzaga started to get stronger. And it wasn't until they built the McCarthy Center, and I think we actually had the tournament there one year. Mm-hmm. And that's when everyone's like, all right, look, <laughs> <laughs> let's find a neutral site. <laughs> this, is, this doesn't feel fair. Mm-hmm. So I am very much a proponent of neutral site. Vegas is so special. Mm-hmm. Even though we don't have school there, mm-hmm. very affordable flights, affordable mm-hmm. hotel rooms, yep. easy uh, direct flights for a lot of you know folks in our footprint. Mm-hmm. And it's become an annual pilgrimage for folks. Yep. Even if your team's not doing well, perhaps it's a fun thing to annually go with your people mm-hmm. and just celebrate all the ba- great basketball that's happening this time of year. Uh, what- so I... It's been unique that way. Absolutely. One one follow-up question on that, too. Uh, I know people have, have been wondering about this with the uh, upcoming departure of BYU, and I'm, I'm not sure if decisions have been made in this regard, but uh, the previous schedule had uh, games being played on Sundays. Obviously, that was changed because of BYU. Uh, is there thoughts or considerations about potentially changing the tournament uh, dates back, or is that something that is probably going to stay the way that it has been? Yeah, all of that is TBD and mm-hmm. on the board. I mean, you think about the Sunday issue in like a sport like baseball where we do three games over the weekend. So right. there are some pretty like quick pivots back, yep. perhaps to playing on Sunday that I think our coaches and administrators would want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we have we need to make this membership decision first before we go down yep. the road of figuring out what all the individual schedules are. All right, folks, Gloria and I are going to come back in the third segment to talk NIL rules and also discuss the possibility of the WCC adding new sports down the line. But before we get there, let's talk about Bet Online. There might be less football being played, but BetOnline.net has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. From scores, totals, and player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games.
Gloria, switching topics a little bit on something that I know that you have spoken about in the past. Uh, I saw an article with some quotes from you about this, and it's been just about a year, a little less than a year, since the NIL rules have gone into effect in the NCAA. Uh, You've spoken about how crucial it is, not just for male athletes, but for female athletes as well, and talked about how uh, it's maybe going to be less about the school's specific alma mater and more about the individual's ability to kind of brand themselves and market themselves uh, as as a student athlete, regardless of where they're going to school. Uh, I thought that was a really great quote, and I was really curious if you could maybe expand on that a little bit and what it means maybe, maybe specifically for athletes in the WCC. And, you know, it's really been evolving, and I think a lot of folks are both comfortable and uncomfortable with the different paths mm-hmm. name image likeness has taken you see a lot of growth of collectives out there mm-hmm. um and you see a lot of maybe uh sport-wide or team-wide deals that have more to do with the letters on the chest the mm-hmm. school than it does the individual student athletes mm-hmm. but i think in the especially in the women's space and with title nine yeah our institutions have to re- and honestly, the, the mission and core values of what we stand for in the WCC, mm-hmm. I feel I've seen our schools try to equalize um, opportunity to bring in name, image, likeness deals. Now, again, there are some athletes' names and reputations and talent levels that are going to bring in a higher level on the individual market. Mm-hmm. But by and large, I, I really like how our schools are leaning into the education, teaching student-athletes what brand is how to you know not harm yourself either Mm -hmm. sign away your eligibility or your rights into perpetuity so you know the space feels a little bit like the wild wild west right now Mm -hmm. Um, but i do feel really good about how our schools are navigating when you brought up a great point i i I worked in higher education i worked with student athletes in academic support for three years and, and i did this before nil was a thing and I've thought a lot about my colleagues in that industry because of the challenges of navigating this for the first time uh, on you know the, the academic side, the compliance side has to be uh, a pretty significant headache, but it does afford the opportunity for these institutions to potentially do more education around here's how to market yourself, here's how to brand yourself, which I think it's such a critical skill in life, regardless of whether you're an athlete or not. I think, I mean, everything kind of comes down to sales and your ability to sell yourself in some capacity. And I think... Uh, the the inability for these institutions to teach student athletes about that because they couldn't really do it in practice was kind of a it was a sticking point. It was a challenge. Like, how do I, you know, I, I did career development stuff. How do I help these kids try to find careers when a huge part of who they are is something they can't really use to try to find a job? It was it was a it was a weird challenge. And I, I wonder now uh, if there's going to be a push. And I'm, I'm sure it's kind of an institution by institution thing to really emphasize doing this education with these student athletes. And like you said, making sure that they're finding deals that are actually advantageous to them and they're not getting sharked by somebody who's kind of just trying to trying to profit off them and not give them a fair cut and stuff. And I, I hope that we see institutions try to find ways to implement this. I know they're all, uh, you know, at different places with, from a staffing perspective, but it, it seems like something that would be a great kind of push uh, for them yeah. all to do. And, and, you know, I had one AD tell a story anecdotally at the beginning of all this that, you know, they brought all their student athletes into the room and they said, okay, look, how many of you know what a brand is? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people think a brand is a logo right? or, you know, the, the outward facing mark. And, you know, what is your brand and how do you build that? And it was just such a, like, to your point, a really great educational opportunity to think about that in this time of social media. Mm-hmm. What are you trying 
to portray as who you are and what your brand is and to negotiate yeah. on your own behalf. That's, I think, such a important life skill. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of good that is, you know, happening mm-hmm. in our league and around the country, but there are also a lot of learnings that I think we're going sure. <laughs> to start to feel out over the next months years on this absolutely and we're starting to see some programs i know i know byu has done it where they have a setup where the majority if not all of their student athletes are getting some level of competition compensation excuse me from another uh, from an organization i know gonzaga just started a program uh, friends of spike it started by matt santangelo and shaniqua nils two former gonzaga basketball players uh just kind of getting off the ground but obviously the kind of thing where they're trying to help match student-athletes with potential employment opportunities by people who, who want to employ student-athletes. And it seems like such a, a you know, an, an ideally organic way to kind of have people help student-athletes, uh, you know, but but also getting something out of the transaction. And, and to me, it seems like we, every school probably, you know, they all have different alumni bases, they all have different booster situations. Um, but I wonder if you expect to see more of this kind of stuff from conference uh, institutions and, and your kind of thoughts on on, on making this work uh, you know and yes and I love that model I hadn't heard about it uh, mm-hmm. yet so thank you for enlightening me but you know I played basketball in college and it's a long season mm-hmm. and you don't have a chance to do internships or mm-hmm. semesters abroad or you know get that life experience to build your resume and it just athletics provides mm-hmm. its own leadership building mm-hmm. you know teamwork building skills and have something helping to position student athletes for life after um is is such a beneficial thing and i know schools do a ton of programming Mm -hmm. around that but having name image likeness enable that type of connection Mm -hmm. with alumni and life job prospects after i think is is one of the more positive things that could come from this want to pivot one more time on your glory before we call it a call it a day uh I'm curious if there's ongoing conversations about potentially adding any sports to the WCC's current slate. I suspect that uh, we would have heard if there was a bunch of schools breaking ground on football stadiums, so I'm <laughs> I'm expecting that's not the case. But I do know that there are a handful of programs in the conference that already have softball. I think men's volleyball is a program that exists at a few of these schools. I'm curious if you guys are kind of looking at potential opportunities to, to grow uh, in terms of what you consider conference sports. Well, you know, we do have a robust history in football background mm-hmm. in the yes. 50s, 60s, but we have not had conversations as of late. Mm-hmm. We are always keeping an eye on the horizon, and typically our threshold is if we have at least half of our conference members mm-hmm. sponsoring a sport, it would probably get jump onto the radar and get in our pipeline for consideration. But right mm-hmm. now, I don't know that we have a sport that's rising to the level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, obviously, the BYU departure... Yeah has an impact on the composition of our sports across the league. So yeah. that decision, too, we'd have to put a pin in until we decided what to do with membership. All right, Gloria, final question. I had to ask it. Did you put together brackets this year for the men's side and the women's side? And if so, uh, how are you feeling about our WCC teams? We're getting kicked off very <laughs> soon. Uh, you know, you're not. we're not allowed to gamble, but I am allowed to put together a bracket. Mm-hmm. We have a little friendly inner office con- sure. contest going on, and I, I just always pull for our teams. Mm-hmm. I really do. Yeah. I've got, you know, all of us advancing and Zags winning it all. So. Yes. Absolutely. I just saw I saw Jimmy Fallon had a bracket, and he had a women's bracket, and he had Gonzaga going to the Final Four over there, which is one of my favorite things that I've seen in the last 24 hours. Jimmy Fallon loving the, the Lady Zags. That's fantastic. Yeah, 
and Barack Obama put yep. together a bracket in the, <laughs> the z- final two. So Zag's getting a ton of love. Gloria, thank you so much for taking time. Again, mid-March, NCAA tournament time. Really t- appreciate you taking time to chat with me uh, about some of this stuff going on in the WCC. Very, very exciting time. Uh, looking yeah, forward to well, seeing the future. thank you for the attention and love that you're providing our Zags, and uh, much luck and help to them along the way. All right, folks, that is going to do it for me today. Thank you so much to Gloria for taking time out of her schedule to come on the podcast. Sincerely cannot thank her enough. The WCC and the member schools are very fortunate to have her in command. Uh, Happy weekend to everybody. Go Zags, of course. On Saturday against Memphis, we got all of the recaps coming right after that game going into next week right here on the Locked on Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked on Zags your first listen every day. Now is a great time to make your second listen, the Locked on NFL Draft podcast. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker Bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!